Well, a local exotic animal rescue shelter has been hit hard financially by the COVID-19 pandemic, and they are looking to the public for help. To learn more, our Nikki Reitmeyer spoke with Sharon Doucette, Executive Director of the Urban Safari Rescue Society. So what inspired the start of Urban Safari Rescue Society? Because it is a bit unique in the sense that you guys really focus on exotic animals in particular. Well, it came out of a need. It is the belief of Urban Safari that that most exotic animals are not suitable pets. But people buy them in pet stores, they buy them from breeders, and then over time, they don't want it anymore. So the animals come to us, they become, in a sense, teaching tools for us. So we are constantly teaching the public, uh, educating the public about animals in general. And trying to coach people not to get these animals as pets. So that's basically what uh, Urban Safari does. Right. I imagine with the exotic animal trade in particular, you probably often get people who see one of these beautiful, unique animals and think, I want one of those, but don't really realize the amount of additional work and special work it takes to take care of them. You know, we could also debate whether or not it's ethically right to even be keeping these exotic animals here, but there is a lot of special requirements, special care these animals need that people probably aren't often fully prepared for. Yes, that's exactly right. And most of these animals live a long time. They have longevity. So tortoises are the longest living creatures on the planet. The Galapagos tortoise lives 200 years. Uh, we have tortoises at our facility that live 125 years. So an animal like that, that's a lifetime plus commitment. You have to put that animal in your will. And you have to find somebody who's willing to accept that animal after you pass away because it's going to live longer than you. Wow. What's, uh, what are some of the most unique animals that you have or have had in your care? Huh. Well, we have uh, some spotted turtles. Uh, we have a hog island boa. Not a very nice snake. He's kind of a nasty guy. But uh, they are on the critically endangered species list. We just had one come to us yesterday. It's a small green anole. It's a, it's a fairly common uh, lizard right there in the world. But it came to us from a couple of people who found it running around in a, in a store here in Surrey, I believe. And it would have come in on a shipment of tropical plants or that sort of thing somehow survived the journey from wherever it was coming from. They caught it and they brought it to us. So uh, that's another way that animals come to us. They're hitchhikers. <laughs> Isn't that funny, eh? So you have all these animals in your care and you don't rehome all of them because a lot of them uh, are higher maintenance and you retain those ones, you keep those ones, use them for educational tools. So many of the animals that you have or the creatures that you have uh, do not get rehomed. It must be really expensive then to maintain an organization like yours. Yes, it is. Not only is there the, the food and the hay and the straw and the vet bills, but there's also rent and uh, we have a staff. We have a very small staff at the moment. We have a staff of three. 
the beginning of the pandemic, we had to lay off five people. Our monthly expenses are are quite high. They're roughly thirteen to fourteen thousand per month, and that's just the basics. That's not if something breaks down or we have some major repair bill or so on. And yours is an organization that's been hit pretty hard by the pandemic, correct? Yes. Well, COVID has really kicked the stuffing out of us. You know, it really, really has because we don't get any um, regular stable funding from from the government. We are self-funded. So when uh, COVID hit in uh, in March, we shut down. So we had uh, spring break camps, which were full. We canceled those. We uh, get most of our funding through our outreach program, where we do presentations in schools and private homes and daycares and libraries and festivals. All of that stopped. We closed our doors to the public because we are open to the public for people to come and visit and learn about the animals and so on. We also had to close our doors to most of our volunteers. We have a fairly large volunteer body. Uh, Basically, all of our funding or revenue sources stopped, just like most other businesses. However, unlike most other businesses, we cannot just lay people off, shut the doors, and go home. We still have of these animals that need to be fed, cared for, vet care provided for when needed. So we have to keep going in, in some fashion. So we've, we've adapted. So we've taken our outreach in-person presentations online, and we started doing that towards the end of March when we first shut down. And that's been going fairly well. But it really, it brings in a fraction of the money that, that we would have brought in otherwise. Donations uh, have been fairly good for us, but as this pandemic goes on, those have dwindled. So we're trying to adapt again. That was Sharon Doucette, Executive Director of the Urban Safari Rescue Society. The society is now appealing to the public for help, and Sharon wants people to know if you or your business would like to donate, you can head over and check out their website at urbansafari.ca.